0: Good morning, everyone. It's, it's wonderful to be here with you this morning on behalf of my wife, Leanne, and my, my three kids, uh, Caleb, my 12-year-old, Evan, who's almost 10, and Carrie Ann, my 7-year-old. Uh, we just want to add our gratitude to you uh, for partnering with us in ministry uh, as we uh, minister amongst missionaries uh, with the Navigators. Uh, the Navigators, we've been with the Navigators now for about five years uh, after uh, we were associate pastors at Covenant and have been, in, been uh, Presbyterian pastors for uh, 12 years before our the last five years with the Navigators. Uh, but the Navigators are around the world uh, in more than 100 countries, across the United States at uh, a couple hundred universities in the inner cities. Uh, and uh, many other uh, forms of ministry. There's about 5,000 Navigators worldwide, and our part is, our team, we, our calling is to come alongside, uh, that they could be healthy and could be growing in their life with Christ, even as they are pouring out uh, to, to the, the people who don't know Jesus around the world. So uh, thank you for that, for your participation, and it's just great to be able to be here and just to hear... Uh, of the impact that you all are having here locally uh, in places like the DR and then through the Navigators here in the country and around the world. Uh, I'm going to preach this today from Mark chapter 1, so uh, let's look at that. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we, we go to God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, you are so good. You uh, love us so much. Uh, we are grateful for that love this morning. It's new each morning. And uh, you, your word uh, has the power to create uh, the galaxy, to create the stars in the sky, to create the earth and the, the fish of the sea. And so now we ask, Lord, would your word uh, be at work in us, creating anew, creating Uh, bringing us deeper, uh, bringing us to greater awareness of of you and and your life. Um, Would you speak to us, God, and would my words be uh, be acceptable to you, and would you use them for your glory? In Christ's name, amen. So reading from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1, starting in verse 31, and then reading through verse 39. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she, um, she waited on them. And then when evening came after the sun had set, that's Peter's mom waiting on them, and when the evening had come after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city had gathered at the door and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitted, permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. And in the early morning, while he was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to lonely places, to a lonely place, and was praying there. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go somewhere else, to the towns nearby, in order that I may preach there also, for that is what I have come for, come out for. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Your life can be stressful. In the swirls of of the storms in our, our life, or even in the grind of the of the mundane, it can become hard. Uh, to to see clearly. Something maybe like this jar of water with sand. We get turned upside down. Our life can feel like it's very cloudy. It's hard to see where we're going. We can even lose track of who we are and uh, what we're about, where, where our value comes from. And uh, missionaries are not immune from this kind of stress. I'm going to give you a couple of glimpses, uh, a couple of stories from... Couple of missionaries that I've I've worked with in the last year. Uh, Frank and Karen uh, were at the University of Illinois, and uh, they met there in the Navigator Ministry. And what one thing that brought them together was their deep passion for Jesus to be known in the country of Turkey. God put that on their heart, and so uh, after they were married. Uh, they decided to go to Turkey. Well, at that point, they had a three-month-old son, and they went to Turkey and began to learn the language, and over the next couple of years, uh, became started building relationships as they were learning the language. And what, what they decided to do, he was a very intelligent guy, and uh, he decided to go to school uh, in the university, and he ended up with a doctorate in business and was going to use that, uh, that as his... Uh, reason for being there uh, teaching and use that use the connections there and relationships to be able to share the gospel since turkey is a closed country to uh, to the gospel well he'd been in in ministry there everything seemed to to be poised to have a lifelong ministry of connection of of impact for the gospel and after uh, just about a year this just happened this past may uh, their their son Uh, came down with a fever and by the morning had died he came down he had a a very rare kind of heart condition that uh, hit very suddenly and uh, they lost him so uh, what do they do their life has been turned upside down and uh, they're in the throes of grief they come back Uh, his wife is, is very angry with God He's seeking God on it. He wants to be strong for his wife. He feels like maybe God can use this to advance the gospel. But he himself is just turning inside, doesn't know what is going on, what is going to happen to this dream that he had of bringing the gospel to the people of Turkey. How does someone like Frank and and his wife Karen stay connected to God as they go through the loss of their son and the loss of their dream? Or my friend Johnny... Uh, who graduated from the University of Colorado and had, uh, had a heart to see the people of Malaysia come to know Jesus, come to share him, share Jesus with the people there. And so he went, and because he just graduated from college, he also entered the university and was, was learning the language. Uh, but as he was getting ready to go, uh, his dad is an alcoholic, and his mom uh, said to him, how can you go all the way to Malaysia? Uh, you're going to leave me t- alone to care for your dad? And so there's this sense of feeling guilt about that and this tension between his call to honor his mother and his father, but also to honor his call um, to go onto the mission field. How does, he, how does he navigate that? How does he work through that struggle? He's in the midst of this stress um, in the family dynamics of that. Uh, and but also his call. Um, how does he stay connected? Uh, so many stories I could share, and hopefully we'll have opportunity to connect um, as we are together today. Uh, I can share more with you. But part of our ministry is to come alongside and uh, create spaces where, uh, where these missionaries can be honest with what is going on in, inside of them uh, and work through the emotional struggles that they have, uh, things like loneliness, burnout, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, all sorts of uh, relational struggles that they have, and uh, for them to have a space where they can be real and honest and experience the gospel going in uh, into their own life uh, is just a real gift to them and it's a, it's a place of transformation that uh, not only are they speaking the gospel that they, that they know about in their head, but their life as it's transformed becomes a, a means of preaching the gospel. They have a story of how they have seen God at work in their own life that, em- that empowers their ministry uh, to the people around the world. Um, so as we, as we look at this passage... Uh, you know, there's a there's a huge mission field. There's so many people who don't know Jesus. Uh, one as navigators, one of the things that navigators are very focused on the mission. They want they want to see people know Jesus. And sometimes uh, we can we can we can ask ourselves, uh, is it? Are we wasting our time by caring for our soul? Uh, how can we take time for to care for ourselves and? Think about that when there are people out there who don't know Jesus. Um, isn't isn't uh, this kind of an indulgence that we have maybe here in the United States to, um, to spend time thinking and reflecting with God on what's going on inside of me? Um, There's so many lost and broken people out there that need the gospel. But I want to say, say in response to that and, uh, uh, and in, as I look at this passage, you know, caring for our souls is essential for the expansion of Jesus' kingdom in the world. In fact, it's not possible to truly engage the work of the gospel without connecting our doing with the rest of God. It's not possible to really extend, do the gospel work of taking the gospel out into the world, whether it be on the mission field or in our, our daily lives, uh, without connecting our, what we're doing with what God's doing in, inside. You know, the, one of the, the last things that Jesus did before the crucifixion was to pray for our soul care. Did you know that? Uh, in, uh, in John 17, uh, at the Last Supper, it's kind like of one of the most important times that he's giving his final messages to his disciples. And he says, he says this in verse 20. He says, I pray also for those who believe in me through their, through their message, through the disciples' message. That's us. Everybody here in the room, Jesus was thinking of you way back then. He said, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The gospel is good news, not because it's a gospel of, of, of work, of doing work for God, uh, doing hard work, but because it's a gospel of new life and a new way of kingdom living. It's doing that's flowing uh, from the rest and intimacy that we have with God. So as we, uh, as we are connecting with, with Jesus, uh, as the gospel is going in, as we're finding our sense connected, uh, just as God, as Jesus is connected with God, uh, as we ourselves connect with Jesus, that's the place from which then the gospel can flow out. Uh, and so it's not that like it's one or the other, but they're really like they're connected. There's the, the going out and the going in. The inner work of, of caring for our, our souls is vital to our capacity and for uh, how we, we, we preach the gospel, how we take the gospel to the world, and, and to, to what the content of the gospel that we share with others and uh, this is this really comes out, I think, in, um, in in Jesus and in the way he lived his life. So let's let me read this passage again, uh, and you can listen here for for how Jesus is connecting this this inner work and the outer work. You can see do you see the rhythms here of his caring for his soul? So again, starting in I'll start in verse thirty two. It says, when evening had come after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they, they knew who he was. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to somewhere else to the towns nearby in order that I may preach there also. For that is what I came out for. Okay. So in this passage, the first thing we see is that Jesus is a big doer. Jesus is a big doer. Um, here he is. He's had a big day of ministry. <laughs> Uh, and it's continuing into the evening even past sunset people are bringing people to be healed he's casting out demons it's a it's a ministry of power and uh you know he had the the whole pressure he had all this pressure of the of the whole town the whole village was there they're all looking for uh, a messiah that can deliver them from from the oppression of the romans um, some may be, can think that maybe some were there to watch. Maybe he won't be able to heal somebody. And then the skeptics can use that to try to sabotage the advance of his ministry. Or um, there were, and then there were the demons who are also there pestering him. And, and they were bent on, you know, stealing and killing and destroying the impact of, of his ministry uh, and uh, the life that he was bringing. Can you feel the stress that Jesus was under? in this situation. You know, John, uh, the Apostle John, he summarizes in in his gospel in John 21, he says that Jesus did so many more things. Even uh, if every one of them were to be written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world uh, to be able to contain them. Uh, The point is, Jesus was a big doer. He did lots and lots of activity. Uh, So one might expect that uh, expect to see Jesus going into the late hours of the night, burning the candle uh, on both ends, uh, just doing all kinds of ministry. He had three years; he had had a lot to do, and he was at it. Uh, and the navigators love they love that idea that Jesus was a doer, and he was about about that work. And so they, so we must also, and uh, so one might expect that Jesus, when he got up that next morning. And he was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. He would have just jumped out of bed and said, "Where are the people? You know, I need to share share God's kingdom with them. Uh, You know, where are the tasks? Where's my Where's my agenda for the day? Let's get at it. Let's get busy." Uh, But it's surprising to see that in in verse thirty-five, that's not what Jesus does at all. Instead, when he wakes up, he starts his morning slowly with God. He actually gets up before everybody else. And, uh, and goes out while it's still dark and he meets with God in solitude he went off to a solitary place to pray uh, he wasn't driven in life and ministry by the urgency and demands of the people or the threats or the demons or even the good of the mission that he had, the mission of love that he had, that, that wasn't driving him instead uh, he, he, he wasn't driven. He was drawn by this intimate love of the Father for him. Uh, he wanted to abide in that belovedness that he had uh, with the Father. And so that, that gave him the ability, the capacity, to only do what the Father was telling him to do. Amidst all the flurry, amidst all the stress he was able to see through to cut through all of that and to hear what was the father telling him to do but that started by doing the inner work of caring for his soul in solitude so when simon and the other disciples found jesus they and they exclaimed you know everyone is looking for you can you feel the stress in that statement everyone is looking for you jesus you know jesus had enough of a solid center well, when, when Simon and the other uh, disciples came, that he knew who he belonged to, he knew who he was, he knew what he was about, uh, what his call was, that he didn't get stressed or overwhelmed. He was not anxious or ambivalent. Um, surely he knew that by saying, we're going to go to some other villages, that that was going to disappoint some people. By saying, by saying yes to these other villages, he was saying no to these people. And he—he he, certainly he knew that would disappoint them. He would let them down. Their ex- expectations uh, would be disappointed. Uh, but his what was priority to him was to live out of and from that inner doing, from doing that inner work of his own, caring for his soul and knowing, uh, following what the Lord, what God was telling him to do. You know, don't we face that same kind of uh, of demanding urgency? Of the "Everyone is looking for you," kind of a, kind of life. Is't that all around us in our, in our lives today? You know, one study that, I, that I've read on uh, the impact of, of stress says that uh, 75 to 90 percent of, of all uh, doctor visits in, in the United States have some sort of link to stress. You know We are in a stressed-out country. Stress is everywhere. Uh, maybe it's with our friends and family. When we uh, come in, you know, they're saying, everyone's been looking for you, you know, looking for you to, for your attention, for your affection, looking to you to fix something, looking for you to uh, entertain them. Uh, or maybe it's at work, you know. Everyone's been looking to you, for you, to be productive, to come up with the next great idea that's going to take the, the uh, what we're doing to the next level. Uh, or maybe it's on social media. You know, everyone's looking for you to make, the, make the, the latest, the funniest post or the most meaningful post or have the cutest little baby picture on, on there. Uh, or, or maybe it's, it's when you go, go out and you're being hit with advertisements. You know, everyone's been looking for you uh, to have this, have this uh, you know, you can, to entertain you or, or to, have, to join the latest points club at, at this place or that place. You know, it's just this, uh, this stress that's all around us. And, and uh, how, do we, how do we see through that? You know, it's like kind of you think about a rubber band. We get stretched, ta- taunt, and our life never, there's never any kind of release of the rubber band. We live our life with a, with a tauntness, of, uh, and we, uh, we live around there. And, you know, there, there's this, this place of which I can't stretch myself around all that there is to do. Life has a way of bringing you to that, to the end of yourself, where you realize that my, I can stretch, but I can only stretch so far. I can't stretch my life all the way around all the demands of life. And the good news of the gospel is that the pressure is off. That's not what we were created for. You know, the God who made all things is also the God who loves you, and he loves me, he loves us. Um, it's Christ as Paul tells us, Christ is the one who created all things and he is the one who holds everything together. Um, And so as we allow him, as we do the inner work of soul care, we allow him to hold us together, then that allows him to, uh, to work in our life and in what we're doing and allows him to help us to see how to hold our life together as well. And whether or not life goes well or it goes it's hard uh whether there's um there's blessings and joy or uh, where we are getting up with our baby in the middle of the night or we get fired or we get divorced the fact that Jesus is holding us together on the inside we can enter into that in what we're doing in our day even if it's hard there's, there's difficult things and we we uh, have that sense of I'm okay. Even though my, everything's crazy, everything is stressed, I can still be okay because uh, Jesus is holding me together. You know, there are, there are so much that God gives us to do. He gives us dominion, you know, in Genesis over the earth and sky, over the earth, over the, the seas. We're given the Great Commission. Uh, so much that God gives us to do. And all of, all of this doing of life uh, that God has for us to do, um, it, it becomes the context for experiencing that inner work of, of intimacy, of, of his love, of, of our belovedness. Before we do anything, we, can, we get opportunity after opportunity to see that um, as we, our eyes are opened, as we're doing our own soul care. And we can see this in the rhythm of Jesus' life as as. Uh, Is presented in this passage, and as we we trace through the Gospel of Mark, Um, you know, Mark was the first Gospel written, and it is uh, very, a very uh, active. It really shows the the fast pace, the action, of very dramatic of the of the life of Jesus. You know, it uses the word immediately forty two times in its sixteen chapters. It's just Jesus was here, and then immediately he went there, and then immediately he went there. He was just going everywhere, everywhere. But it's very interesting, I think, that also in the Gospel of Mark, there is this thread uh, of Jesus taking time to go so slow. There's this thread throughout the Gospel, which is so active, of this other, other aspect of Jesus' life of, of taking care of his soul. So I just want to trace that, if you, if you have your Bible with you, I want to trace through the Gospel of Mark and just kind of show how this was a, th- a thread of Jesus' life uh, as he take, take, took care of his soul. He did the inner work so that he could uh, bring himself and freely give himself to the outer work. Okay, so if you first you look at Mark 1 uh, verse 12 and 13. So Mark 1, verses 12 and 13. Okay, it says, uh, he's just been baptized, and he hears a voice that says, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. And then in verse 12, immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness, out into a solitary place. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. And you know, maybe for that story, as he was going through these three temptations, there was this, uh, this purifying or this sense of coming to understand his values. What was really, for Jesus, what was really important to him? Uh, what was his identi- identity? God had just told him that he's his beloved son. But as he goes into the wilderness, as he's in this solitary place, that's being tested. Are you really? Are you really beloved by God? Uh, over and over again, Satan's coming at him uh, with that question of his identity and what's really important and the value. And that's something that he uh, worked through and got and, and came to a place as he did that inner work in in, um, in the wilderness, in that place of soul care. Uh, let's and then we did. We just read uh, Mark 1 uh, 35 If we go to there again you see there he rose in early morning while well, it was still dark and he he went out to a, and departed to a lonely place and was praying there okay and so here he is, while he's in this place of solitude as he's doing this inner uh, soul care work in his life uh, he is recognizing his calling so where he has this sense of identity and value in the first here he's coming to understand or coming to see and listening with God and the intimacy that he has with God he's seeing his, God's calling upon his life and he's, he's realizing that he's here for more than this, this place just this one, one location, this one village okay and if you flip over to chapter 3 in verse 13 okay so in verse 13 it says and he went up to the mountains and summoned those he went up to the mountains. So he's up again by himself and he's having this time and uh, then he summons those who are with him and he he called that he wanted and they came and he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that they might send them out to, to preach. So he has this intimacy with God and then he calls this community of disciples around him and then from there ministry happens. So the ministry is flowing out of his intimacy with God and his community with others uh, that's supported and, and strengthened and given purpose and given a sense of strength and direction. Uh, that starts with his going inward by, by drawing away and having this time of caring for his soul. Okay, let's flip over to, to verse uh, chapter 6. And if we look in verse 30, we see it again. So he had sent the disciples out, and they came back to him. And in verse 30, and the apostles gathered together with Jesus uh, from their ministry. And they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And, um, and what does he do? To he say, hey, let's throw, let's throw a party, tell me more. Let's think about what's the, what's the next thing we could do. Let's figure out where, where else could we go. No, he says, come away by yourself to a lonely place and rest a while. Okay. So here he's encouraging his disciples to take up the practice that he himself is living. He wants that to be multiplied into the life of the disciples. So uh, as we go out, uh, we, our strength for, for going out comes from going in, from ha- taking care of our soul, of having an intimacy with God. And then that, that propels us out. And then when we go out, there are things that happen. Both blessings and hard things happen. And where do we go when, that, when blessings and happiness and blessings and good things happen and when hard things happen? Jesus points his disciples, you go back in. So it's like you're going in and you're going out. There's this rhythm, this breathing of the life of, of, this, of the disciple um, that he is trying to encourage his disciples to take up this, this way of life. And then finally, you see at the end of, of uh, Jesus' earthly life, before he's crucified in uh, Mark 14 if you look at verse 32 okay he went to his his favorite one of his favorite places the the garden of Gethsemane Uh, and he says they came so Jesus is with his uh, with Peter and James and John and they came to the place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here until, until I have prayed. And then he took Peter and James and John began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it was possible, the hour might pass him by. And he's praying. He prays, Abba, Father. So you see, as he is as he's entering into this final uh, the climax of, of his earthly ministry, the reason he came, uh, he's, he's in stress. There's deep stress. And there's this great outward work of, of God's love being poured out for the world that whoever would believe in Jesus would would come, uh, would be uh, brought to, to saving faith, would be brought to eternal life, would, would be brought into, reconciled with God, that they would have... Uh, relationship with with the Father that they were created to have. That great work which would cost him everything. And as he's on the edge of that, he realizes the weight of that. And so he goes he goes and does this inner work of soul care where he's meeting and having intimacy with his father. Uh, He makes intimacy with God a priority in in his life. And so that gives him the solid center to be able to handle the stress that's that's coming upon him as he, as he connects with his belovedness um, uh, in God. He knows who he is. He knows who he belongs to. He knows what he's about. And so um, there's, no, there's no need for the stress of uh, finding his value in what other people think or whether people reject or accept him. Um, and um, so... So we also are free uh, to, to enter into this inner work. Uh, he invites us. He uh, actually encourages, strongly encourages, maybe even commands us to practice this. He wants the gospel to go out into the world. And for that to happen, um, it begins by doing the inner work of being honest before God uh, amidst the, and taking that time for our own soul care. Um, you know, when the Hebrew people back in the Old Testament, when they were in slavery and they came out of slavery, they were standing at the Red Sea on one side and the, and, uh, the Pharaoh was coming and pressing with the chariots. They were in this place of stress, like, what do we do? Uh, we're going to die. And uh, I think Jesus understood. He remembered the message that... Uh, God spoke to Moses, who spoke to the people. He said, the Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is, is stand still, is be still. The Lord will fight for you. All you need to do is be still. So it's in stillness that all the, all the sediment, all the struggle, all, of, all the craziness, the chaos, it settles and we're able to see clearly who we are, who we belong to. Um, that we are the beloved uh, children of God and that he uh, it creates a space for God uh, to move and, and work through us. And um, so as, we, as I close this morning, I just want to ask you that question. You know, where, where is your stress? What's got you shaken up? You know, um, what situations, uh, maybe with a spouse or with a child, Have you stirred up? Have you stressed? You know, is there a work project that's weighing on you? You know, what's the longing uh, in your heart that has you downcast uh, in your life? Um, You know, has stress left you feeling empty or lonely or tired, exhausted? Well, whatever it is, I want to encourage you to follow Jesus' rhythm, uh, to press in to those places of of quiet, of stillness with the Lord. Uh, it might, Maybe you're not a morning person. It seems like Jesus was a morning person. But maybe there's another time in your day. Maybe it's the night at evening. But to take that time uh, where you can be still and you can know that God is God and that he will be exalted in the earth. Um, and uh, as you... You see that as you, as you rest and you allow yourself to settle to, to uh, look for how he may, he may be uh, bringing his glory in and in you and, and through your life. Um, so let's pray. God, we give you thanks that um, you not only have something for us to do, but uh, you are also uh, doing something in us, and you want to meet us, that you love us, uh, and uh, we ask God that you would um, just calm our hearts, help us to be still. Um, and I uh, just want to just take just even 20 seconds here and just, be, just have a moment of, of stillness. Lord, maybe there's something that um, you want us to remember, you want to speak to us, I just want to give you a moment here in stillness um, to hear from you. Lord, be exalted in us, be exalted through us, be exalted in the world. In Christ's name we pray, amen.